Hi, and welcome back to Who Reads These Days. This is Rachel again. And aloha, it's Gregory again. Wow, our final little episode. True. I guess for the foreseeable future, the maybe forever. final episode for finals week. Haha. <laughs> Don't talk about it. It's cute. <laughs> it's cute. Is it? How is many it? pages do you have to write? <sighs> Over 47. Why 47? Because, wait, how long is Suzanne's paper? 8 to 10. Oh, then 42 over 42? I think it's similar to me. I think I'm a little bit less because I don't have another seminar paper. But I think I have like 30, 35 pages. A vibe. Yeah. It's very exciting. Travails of being a humanities literature (laughs) student. (laughs) Yeah, I guess on a very separate note, I know this is a Wednesday. But happy Mother's Day, I guess, belatedly. How cute. I feel like we have to bring it up because we brought up St. Patrick's Day. Well, it's technically a Saturday. Well, on recording, but upon <laughs> listening, it's a Wednesday. Sure. Upon listening, it's whatever day they, the person wants it to be. This is on radio. Okay. And, and then it's uploaded onto Spotify. Yeah. So it's, it's, a, it's a bit much to say that there's, I guess, a specific day, but there is a specific day. This is Minutia. But whatever day it is, it will be post-Mother's Day. Except for today. And it'll always be post 9 11. <laughs> <laughs> That's like a fun little callback. I wouldn't call it fun. I mean, 9 11 isn't fun, but I think the callback is fun. It <laughs> <laughs> gives me the same energy of when um, Peter was just like, let's read a Zadie Smith story and let's talk about the egotism of 9 11. Oh That's gosh. a little controversial yeah. for our pod, but. Peter, our professor. Likes to be a little bit. I almost jokingly said he's dead. Oh my gosh! Stop. But he's not dead. Poor man's just retired, and suddenly you're just retired. Him to the grave. It's almost been a year. It's been over a year, almost a year. And he's dead to you now. Not to me. Wow. He's dead to the world. To your subconscious. You said so yourself. Subconscious. When did I ever say Freudian that? slip. Oh, I see. Yeah. I see. Is that my unconscious or my subconscious? That's getting to the Freudian levels that are too much. I guess that's contra- I guess these are two controversial things because we're going to talk about a controversial book, which I feel so bad for Rachel because she literally just finished it. I feel like many of our books have been controversial. I think it's fun. I think we're provocative. We're taking provocative content. I don't know. A woman having oral sex done by a bear. And then we had, I don't know, a... What happened in McCullers, the soldier that, like, almost sexually advanced upon an underage girl. Yeah, like, he almost, they almost had sex, but she, like, beat him over the head yes. with, like, a glass jar of some kind. Was it not a bottle? I don't know. And then she almost shoots herself in the head. Oh, true. Okay. Vibes. And then get in trouble, we don't talk about that. And then... There's some provocative stuff in get in trouble. I know, but I just don't okay, want to talk about even it. Even the first story where she like abandoned this girl. With That's this not provocative, though. Parasitic. Like I just think, like bear sex. That's provocative. Like I think those are just like dramatic and maybe like emotional on some level, and you're like, ooh, shocking. But I think provocation is different. Is unwitting pedophilia provocative? Probably, especially for the time that it was written in. Oh, July's people. Of course, it's provocative. It was banned. It was still provocative. There are South African school boards that say that it's racist. Like, so they don't want to have students read it. And then I would say, I don't know, I guess what, I feel like this is, this has to be the most provocative book that we've read. 
I guess besides literally bestiality. Yeah, I was going to say bear is probably the most provocative one. I just think, like, this is, like, so much darker than Bear on that psychological level. That, like, I, I well, think in my mind it's more Because when you're reading Bear, it never seems dark. Even if when she's yeah. having or trying to have when sex with the bear. She slashed on the back. It's never darker. It's like, oh, like, this is happening. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, because it's written in kind of a light tone. Whereas, but I feel like any bestiality... I feel like bestiality, just as a subject matter, is more provocative to people i guess people are more inured to abuse <laughs> i feel like domestic that, that's abuse. actually really interesting because i guess it's like what is the hierarchy of the yeah. prerogative <laughs> in that really like twisted way there are like those tiktoks of those like people online that make like icebergs have you seen those where it's like no. deep dark horror movies and it's like the tip of the iceberg is like i don't know the shining and then as you go deeper and deeper below like sea level it's like grimier and grimier and like grosser and it's like who how much can you handle and i'm like this is so weird like as just like a thing even if you look at the rice purity test the last one is like bestiality right (laughs) and the cane it's the most provocative one or the most rare yeah i guess i guess i just think of this as i guess i think it's tonally this book is more intense like generally and i also just think to me it's more provocative because bear to me is just like it's so surreal, regardless of its re- interest in realism, in a way, that I'm like, this is, this is like, fantasy. Realism? Absolute realism? Absolute visceral realism? Absolute realism, all of them. Where's the... Oh, visceral. Where is that? <laughs> oh, Bologna's rolling in his grave. But it's not absolute visceral realism. It's absolute, absolute realism, realism. Visceral. I can't say any of these are absolute realist. Maybe this one. Mm. <laughs> we'll obviously talk about it. So I guess I'll do just like a quick summary, even though I don't really know how to make a synopsis of it. On the inside, I'm panicking right now because I'm suddenly thinking of what topic I'm going to write about for Uh, my essay, (laughs) so I can't think of anything. Okay, you have to... I'm panicking. You have to relieve those tensions for the next 50 minutes, (laughs) 45 minutes, however long it takes. So the book that we read for this week in our final moment is The Piano Teacher by Alfreda Jelinek, which before I say anything, I do think it's interesting that the German title is Die Klavierspielerin, which is the piano player. And it implies that the person that is the player is a woman or a feminine. So I don't understand why they would translate it differently. Like, that's such a small thing. Wait, so do they, in the book, refer to her as the piano player all throughout instead of the piano teacher? No, they still talk about her as a teacher. It kind of, like, they, it depends on the situation when she's, obviously, there are sequences here when she's actually playing the piano or, like, when she's younger. I will have to talk about that moment. Um, I think it's really interesting that they chose to translate the title as teacher. Because they do that for the movie, too. The I guess for consistency, though. I debated, because I'm like, I just... I don't know. I guess with translation, there's the debate of like how much fidelity do you give to the original? I like the literal rendering of the translation. And I kind of prefer the piano teacher. teacher. Me too. Just because I think it has it the power them, it dynamic. It them in different roles, exactly. Yes, which, interesting. Linguistic power dynamics. <laughs> but yeah, I, I, I think so. Because it's also like we see her predominantly as a teacher because she's unsuccessful. But okay, so regardless, the piano... <laughs> the Piano Teacher by Alfredi Jelinek, who is a Nobel Prize winning Austrian author, highly provocative, is a novel about a 38-year-old piano teacher named Erika Kohut, who lives with her mom 
in this kind of nest egg home and she is not allowed really any interaction with people of the opposite sex or really anybody in general and so her mom like physically and emotionally will abuse her because her mom has this interest from a young age for her of um making her into a high profile pianist and she doesn't want erica to do anything other than practice the piano but little did they know erica's actually mediocre and so she has to become a piano teacher. What's that? Isn't that like an adage? If you can't do, you teach. Isn't that yeah, like that? Yeah. <laughs> and she... And a lot of students in the novel, too, it says that they are practicing for the exam so they can become like Erica. <laughs> yes, and become a teacher. Teachers. Yeah. And she works at the Vienna Conservatory. And so she eventually has a student... Um, Walter Klemmer, or Walter Klemmer, if we want to go with the full pronunciation, get crazy, but who just is kind of obsessed with her, and in the second part of the novel, kind of gets a little crazy with like a student-teacher relationship that I will say I think is entirely unique. I don't think I've ever seen a relationship play out like this, like ever before, regardless of the pro like the provocative nature of him being. I think, I think he's almost twenty. So I think he's of age. I believe it says it somewhere, but I don't remember. He pursues her, and then after a period of time, she kind of relents in a in the bathroom, <laughs> and then some strange things occur. They don't involving have sex. a letter. I think the letters when it really yes, but the really letters hits. way later. Yes. But yeah, so it's kind of like people try to market it, market it as like the most twisted of love stories, which is like not romantic whatsoever. And I think this is, oh, before I say anything else, actually, I also want to characterize Erica as like consistently self-harming. It's like a novel about her repression on like a monumental level. And she peep shows, goes to peep peeping, shows. ETC. Did you say peeping? Peeping. Like general, oh, peeping. General peeping. I was like, because she does pee. Yeah. <laughs> peeing, peeping, peep shows. Yes. So you get really graphic depictions of like nude bodies, forms of sex, etc. I guess it's like a pretty solid synopsis because it's a really chaotic novel. But I guess we should go from the beginning because it's like a lot to deal with as it goes along because first of all what's up with the dad that sent me i was i was living because i think it's in like the first section or the second section there's a throwaway line kind of where it's like yeah well her dad was sent to an asylum and then you get like that whole actual depiction of them like just fully dropping him off in like a horrible like sanitarium sanitarium mm -hmm. sanatorium i think it's sanatorium and, and then driving away and he's and the person next to him, he, like, puts his hands over his head. And he's like, don't beat me. Yes, <laughs> which like, really says something about, like, what's happening at home. <laughs> yeah. It's, like, a whole thing. And... But there's a line that says, like, it did not look good for the people who had just left him. Yeah. They hadn't done anything physically Yes. But I think it's the psychological yeah. realities of the household. I gotta say, because I've been really interested in character recently. I've been reading some books, like, The Confederacy of Dunces and and other novels where the individuality of character is so striking. And I mean, this is by no means a perfect book. It is like a very messy, wild experience. But Erica and her mom have one of the most like fascinating, like redundant relationships in like the kind of psycho sexual 
drama. What do you mean redundant all? relationship? Because I feel like for the in the first section where it's kind of the day to day that you're getting, and then the second part that it, since it's split up into this too, the second part is much more focused on Clemmer and kind of that relationship developing because you have all the background information in the first 109 pages. I just think there's kind of a consistent thing of, oh, the mom will kind of verbally abuse her. Maybe Erica will like fight back physically. Probably not. And it's like Erica kind of like lying around her to like do things that will seemingly interest her on like a sexual level, but they also don't. It's a whole mess. But it's kind of a lot of like, I think, I don't know if I'd consider the mother to be a particularly three-dimensional human being. But that's not a bad thing to me. Because I found her so striking in how chaotic it all was. Like even some of the kind of hypocrisies of when they are on one of their vacations that they take, when it's with the mom's mom, with Erica's grandmother, and the cousin comes over. This part sent me. I think I literally showed my mom this section because I was cackling over it, where he's like a viral and he's like twenty, and Erica's like clearly kind of interested in him. (laughs) (laughs) And the mom is kind of like swayed a little bit, where she's kind of like, "Look at him living," as Erica is like stuck indoors playing so that the mom can open the windows and like the door so that everybody in the town can hear her when no one cares they're like please stop playing like please we just want to enjoy the nature and And she's like you don't love Brahms she's like nature isn't Brahms okay (laughs) it's better in Brahms than it is in real nature (laughs) exactly and so there's an interesting kind of relationship between how the mom is handling her daughter versus another family member like the expectations change probably because of gender probably also because of like, nuclear expectations. And speaking of that sequence, I feel like that's also one of the interesting moments of provocation where um, he's doing his judo and then he throws her to the ground and then his crotch is in her face and she, oh, like, yeah, yeah, smells yeah. it and, like, ha- and she, like, basically rubs her face <laughs> against his groin and she's having, like, a kind of a transcendent experience and he seems to have no idea and then he, like, runs away so maybe he does... Could have a mixed bag there. But this weird moment of her as an adolescent having zero access to, like, anybody. And then having this weird kind of erotic moment with her cousin. It was a lot. Even though it was very funny. I think I also want to say that this book to me is actually, it's really funny. I don't think I found it funny at all past, like, the 10th page. Really? Yeah, the only part I laughed at, (laughs) which I probably shouldn't have... Was when she, like, gets into an altercation with her mother in the beginning, and she pulls the mother's hair out, which, first of all, that just surprised me, because, like, how hard did you pull out someone's hair to, like, have the hair fall out, and the mother has a bald patch, and just imagine the bald patch made me laugh so hard, because it's just absurd and weird and strange, and... So that was the only part that I laughed at. Um, otherwise, I don't think I particularly found the book funny at all. Okay, well, I mean, I just think that I think it's, like, the bleakest form of comedy. Because I think she undercuts, just an undercut, I guess, but I think she underscores certain sequences that are really brutal. And she'll have these, like, turns of phrase that I'm like, this is hysterical to me. And I would look, I would sometimes look it up because I found, like, an EPUB online of the German version. Because I was like, is this a translation? Like, this just seems so weird. Where, like, I don't know, she is, I think it's in the bathroom scene with... Um, Clemmer in the second half and or is it when 
she, he locks her in a closet or not locking on the closet but when he like forces his like un, like non-erect penis in her mouth etc she describes his penis as asparagus like there were just these things like that where i was like what like it was just this weird like phallic imagery that isn't like fully connecting and even the sequence in the peep show like when she's like she smells like a tissue that has like semen in it and she's just like looking at the wall next to her and it says something provocative and Yelena comments <laughs> Erica was really amazed that it was written in proper German and like there were just lines like that that were like peppered in where it was just like really like dark like it's really aggressive and relentless and I definitely think the second half is significantly less comic on that front because it was like horrifying by the end yeah and just really brutally handling a female character, which I do have a question about that in a second. But the first half, we're kind of getting these things, or I don't know, when she's going to the peep show at the at the viaduct, and you have the quote-unquote Turks and Yugoslavs who, like, don't even fully speak German, but they see, like, this, like, kind of privileged piano player, like, coming their way, and they just kind of, like, don't even... The comments how they don't even sling like slurs at her or like cat call her because she's just like completely out of the ordinary. Or her going to um, an adult theater in a, quite, a kind of like quote unquote like slummier area of Vienna. And she's like, no one knows I'm here because no one here knows me. And then it has a like a parenthetical where it's like, well, she came enough times where the maitre d' or whatever, the clerk, the the clerk. clerk <laughs> like knew her and called her ma'am. So people do know her. And there's just these details that were really observant. I guess my question is that there are people um, who say that even though that Yelenek is a feminist, she writes like the most degrading women. And so she's not really achieving anything particularly feminist. Even though Yelenek is a self-identifying feminist Marxist and one of her biggest targets, because I think her editor... I was looking it up in an interview or something online, said that she has three goals, and one of them is to kind of discuss the patriarchal capitalist power dynamic and, like, exploitation and commodification of women, um, among other things. I think one other thing was her talking about how Austria has not really done enough to discuss its history of, its recent history of fascism um, during, like, World War II and beyond. And there was a third one that I'm forgetting. I think it was just railing against consumer culture but do you how do you feel about this representation of a woman at the helm of this novel i mean i don't know erica and her mother are not your average <laughs> women by any means and it says so like multiple times so even if you don't understand that innately like the book tells you that erica is no is no average bird average bird <laughs> But, I don't know. I think it's interesting. I feel like, even though Erica herself may not be a paragon of female power, I do think there are, like, lines in the book. I think just the whole entire book is, like, grotesque in a way where it has these grotesque characters. And I don't think there's a single character in the book that is, quote-unquote, good or, yeah, you know, no. non-grotesque. And so I think maybe, everyone... Maybe the student who gets, um her hand covered in glass shards no even her she was annoying <laughs> but like i think everyone is kind of vilified in 
everyone is shown as flawed in this book and also just each person showing a different through their flawed character like a, a flaw or an issue of society which you kind of mentioned for example consumer culture etc but there's this that reminds me of this one line that I was looking at in the book that I, I bookmarked but it was about women and so I'll read it. So it says, furthermore, female value decreases with increasing years and increasing intelligence. That made me laugh. And this is Clemmer, like, thinking about Erica. Um, and then he says, Walter Clemmer is less abashed when he perceives the creases in Erica's face and body. He is more abashed when she explains something on the keyboard to him. But ultimately, the only thing that counts are creases, wrinkles, cellulite, gray hair, bags under the eyes, large pores, artificial teeth, glasses, and the loss of figure. And I think for this quote, there are several things that I was thinking of, one of which is obviously just the objectification of women and just how like men view women. And also, obviously, the, like this kind of ageism as well, like you kind of lose value. Um, you, like even past like 30, <laughs> you start yeah. losing value when you start like aging and having what he calls, you know, large pores or et cetera. Even glasses. Yeah, the bare <laughs> minimum. Flow. But also this reminded me a lot of, uh, on TikTok, I've been seeing a lot of the same, like, Jordan Peterson interview where he's talking about, <laughs> like, as um, the IQ for a woman, like, goes up, like, men are less attracted to her or less willing to be with her. Ooh. Like, well, he's talking about it. I don't think he himself is, like, saying Okay, that he's I'm just saying that some people yeah. think that. He's saying that, like, a lot of men... Um, there's a correlation between, like, them not wanting to Ugh. be with smarter women. and That's frightening. He, he's saying, like, this, like, he's talking about the physical attractiveness of the woman and their intelligence. He says the hotter she is, he didn't say hot, but basically the hotter she is and the smarter she is, the more intimidating men find her. And so the less likely she is um, to find, like, a, a man or a partner. And so and I've seen that, like, TikTok at least five or six times on my feed scary for your algorithm then i've not seen that once and it's like not even like one of it is his interview but most of them are just like people using the audio and like lip syncing to that audio <laughs> is it like a is it like a parody a parodic no, thing no, they just like put on their makeup and they're lip syncing to it and they're like i guess they're reclaiming yeah i don't know anyway interesting and so that's kind of what's reminded me of because when he was like he was talking about how female value decreases with both increasing years and, and increasing intelligence. T- intelligence. And so, yeah, you really just can't win. You can't win. <laughs> exactly. I mean, it's also, I found there were specific lines where I think that extrapolate that, where it's kind of the objectification further. And I think it's interesting because there are certain phrases that she uses, Yelenek uses, that I think really go back to like a, the kind of commodification concept where there's one, I don't remember the page, where it says... Um, the man clutches this mother's daughter as if appropriating a piece of equipment. So, like, Clemmer, as someone perceiving Erica, like, by the end of the novel, like, moves towards this, like, barbaric, like, savage state of affairs where he, like, completely... Caitlin. <laughs> and he... Because he... It, I do think it's so wild that he reads a letter that we obviously will have to talk about in greater at greater length. It's crazy. It's so fascinating. And then he's like, why would I ever do that? But then by the end, he, like, goes beyond 
Yeah, he's like, isn't this what you asked for? Yes, and it's like so degrading. And he like takes on this kind of innate quality that's like not even just with Erica because you see him like walking on the street after seeing the letter and then like him masturbating like outside of her window. And we're just like, whoa, like this man is derailing. And we also found, because it's obviously so much about power, I found these other sections in part two where it says, um, I believe this is in the middle of a controversial like kind of sexual assault moment where it says it's all her fault that he's in such a state just be a little nice to me erica please he now rages across her full speed ahead he licks her face and asks for love who else but a loving woman can give him love more generously and with fewer conditions asking for love he opens himself by opening his fly that's isn't that romantic (laughs) and there was also one because that's so funny that you're that you just quoted that because Right before you quoted that, my arm, like, flung out because I was like, wait, because I was about to quote that as well. Because I was literally <laughs> thinking of that quote because it was in relation to the question you had asked previously. And I think that, I guess, would align more with her or Yellenex like, f- feminism or whatever. Yeah. Because even though it's this incredibly brutal scene and he's like isn't this, like, what you asked for or you made me do this? Like, you and your craziness and your denial etc everything like you force this to happen to yourself yeah and forces her to accept the blame as well but i think in that moment the reader recognizes that uh clemmer is just crazy (laughs) and really just awful and this is definitely not like Erica's fault as in like she obviously is not asking for this and and she never really meant to exactly as well which exactly. that this is I think this is actually one of the biggest things for me that was taken away from the novel like when it comes to the letter and like the messaging and all that I do think it's so interesting because I think this goes back especially to the peep show where you see all of these men that Erica is like kind of presuming are around her that are like masturbating and ejaculating. And it's like this, and she also describes the peep show as this like particular marketplace that is like heightened and it is like kind of, I don't know. It's set up in such a way as to prioritize having the most men as possible undergoing this experience. And it's all about like how much, how little money can each like consumer put in Mm -hmm. and even then it's like will they actually spend more money will they not be able to actually ejaculate and then you have the people behind the scenes that are like literally making everything smaller all the boots are smaller and you just have erica like sitting there just like stolid like watching and there's this relationship between first of all obviously sex as capital and like this is like a huge connection i think that she's always making associations with but then also I mean, power goes with that. I think that scene is constantly about kind of, obviously, first of all, sex, power, and commerce, where I think she constantly refers to, like, semen as, like, either a resource or, like, a vital good, which is also, like, a capital thing. But men as being kind of denoted by their sex drives, like, and she describes how these men will come here when they have to pay for other things at home oh, as like I working class people. They'll come here. <laughs> <laughs> They'll come here and they will spend money when they have to spend money more. They're positively. saving up every penny to come yes, here. Yes, to go to the peep show. And then, but the thing is that if we're focusing on satiating male sex drives, like they will have to come back. It is like this situation where. It, like the insatiable reality, according to Yelenek, of the male experience is the sex. 
is like the relief of sexual tension. I think that um, kind of is a, another power play that I think Erica tries to have over Clemmer. Yeah, I mean, the, the what was really interesting was in that power play, like Clemmer himself realizes when she like, gets in the letter and he's and she's like, oh, like be my master over me or something. And he realizes even though he'd be the master over her, she would still be the master over him being the master of her because she gets to dictate yeah. what is going on. But back to like the other quote that you were uh, citing earlier, I think Yelenek really takes the idea of you know, the man, when, I guess, raping someone or assaulting someone, saying, like, oh, like, she asked for it or something yeah. to, like, a new level. Yeah. Because in one, te- in one technical, quote-unquote, way, she does ask for it by, like, having that letter written and telling him, well, like, this is what I want you to do, and he technically fulfills that, but that's like a very literal level and by reading this book and seeing like the situation play out you realize that she didn't ask for it and i yeah. and i think you know that's that's something that was really interesting to me is that you know even in the, in the it's been the something that people have been saying for so long like oh she asked for it and like what she was wearing she asked for it and what she was doing and her behavior and her mannerisms and by making it like super extreme and almost literal um i think Yelenek completely rejects the idea of like a woman quote unquote asking for it which i found really interesting exactly i think we have to bring up the letter because we've obviously been like working around (laughs) it where i also have a quote about it on my phone um because I also think it's interesting because she literally tells you at one point, like, this is not Mm -hmm. what she actually is trying to get out of this letter. So they have their little bathroom excursion where I believe it's just oral sex, if I remember correctly, where she doesn't also allow him to ejaculate. And it's, like, mind-blowing to him as a concept. And does she leave the the toilet door open? For, like, a hot sec. Yeah. And she's like, well, I'm not going to finish. And then he's like... "Uh, this is maddening. He's like so scared of the concept of yeah. blue balls. He's seemingly. like, you can't do this to me at all. I'm going to suffer. I can't walk. <laughs> I know. So whiny. Oh, so many of these people are just so whiny. But then she expands it to um, a letter in which she writes to him so that he will seemingly have a literal byline by which to completely understand what she wants. And I think it, before I say what's in the letter... In the first section, I think there's a lot of her, even though she's repressed and she's clearly not the one in control, she's the one being controlled. I think she has all these small things, or kind of big things, I guess, like going to the peep shows, where she's trying to fight back from that. And even the idea of being a piano teacher and the way that she treats the students, like, it's always a power play. And, like, she's always trying to have some semblance of control. And so I think it was really fascinating to see this letter come up where she is completely, supposedly capitulating any possibility of control like she literally is willing to give him a key to her home so he can come in at any time to have sex with her and she is like here are some ropes like literally tie me up for hours on end and gag me so that i can't even speak like you can be my master and there's a lot more details that go into it and she's like i'm gonna say don't do this to me but 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 do it keep for doing me. it yeah, keep doing it ignore me which is just it's a lot um, and then I found the quote, but then at the, at the same time, 
then will follow after the letter and after basically Clemmer is responding really negatively or kind of silently, but you get this like, like she, you get the stream of consciousness where he's like, what, who is this woman? Like, why is she like this? I just want to make love, I guess, or just have sex. But he is still at this point interested in pleasure or denote like, or not denoting, but coming from a certain semblance of like romance with the sex. And then it says, Erica will refuse out of love and demand that what she demands in the letter should be done in detail while she fervently hopes that she'll be spared what she demands in the letter. And so we get that info as a reader, but also there is an issue of communication there because how much does he really know about her? Like she's obviously working on like a higher plane seemingly. And I have to just say something about that phrasing higher plane in a second, but obviously at some point, it seems like we can see the irony beyond it literally being told to us because she's always trying to be in power at some capacity. So if this is just like a hyper fixation, it's like a different level of perversion for her from like, even yeah. when she's in like the tram and she's like kicking people's shins and like stealing from them. And like knocking her face <laughs> against them. So aggressive. She is. But also the whole time with her relationship with Clemmer, she's just like doing things that, She's, like, doing the opposite of what she wants to happen. Like, she wants him to pursue her, but she's, like, stop. Or she wants to say, like, I love you, or for him to say that back, and she pushes him away instead. So it's very yeah. interesting psychology. Because I, What's going on in her mind. Yeah. Cause I <laughs> well, think, her mother. Yeah. Well, I, I think this letter, obviously beyond being, like, probably the most pivotal device, I guess, like, item or object in the story as a whole... I the piano. The it's piano. The <laughs> element in the story. But that, I can't lie. That is true. <laughs> but for the letter, I just think it, this is, I think, one of the most indicative moments of her where she's clearly intelligent and she has this whole kind of plan in her head about how she wants it to play out. And we've seen her trying to have control. But I think this is also a moment where she's so repressed and has had been has been so controlled her entire life that she doesn't understand what control looks like. And she doesn't know how to maintain it. And she doesn't know what it means to be in control, like, as a whole. And her attempts to gain that power and to be the person above others, sh she can't do it. Which is, like, really a conundrum of, one, obviously, as a character, she how would she know? She's been subservient her entire life. But also just the idea of, I don't know, maybe the idea of, like, just a general woman, like, railing against, like, a patriarchal reality like how do you kind of undercut the patriarchy if that's what like everybody's been raised, been with, raised with and life. socialized sure. so you've been so hyper repressed by this specific social construct that's set up by your like higher ups or men and then you supposedly are going to gain control but then how are you going to do it well i guess quote unquote and how would you even like possibly succeed when there are like other people that are clearly trying to like come for you true it's really scary i would love to see like a freudian foucauldian analysis, analysis of, this? of this book oh yeah i think it'd be so good i feel like this book is 100 percent rife for psychoanalysis which i like never say i hate that but i was looking up some stuff um I was trying to read some German articles about it because i wanted to see what they would say and there were german scholars that were austrian scholars i couldn't tell whatever, Germanic scholars, that were talking about how 
she also is kind of undercutting like psychoanalytical narratives of like the post Freud world. Complex. Like it's anti Oedipal. Yeah. yeah, I saw that as well when I did a quick. Was Google. that Wikipedia? Yeah, Wikipedia. <gasps> oh my god, search. that's cute. That's funny. But you should do like, or we should do like a little JSTOR search and see <laughs> whether this has been. I hope there's been stuff. I feel like this Wikipedia. would be an iconic book to like write substantially about. You could write your thesis on this. <laughs> I know, but do I want to? Do I really want to like have to reread it? Why not? I don't know. It was it was just taxing. And yeah, like, but even on a prose level, like it's very well written. Like I think there are very see, few. A lot of people say otherwise. I know. I saw some Goodreads reviews in which they were like, "What are these sentences that are going on?" But I was like, "I like these sentences." I like her. No, literally, literally. But I think there are very few novels that I open up and I'm very invested from the beginning. I think my investment like waned <laughs> as I went on, but. There are very few novels that I open and I read it. I'm like, oh, this is so interesting. I want to keep on reading it. Like, I have to actively tell myself to keep on reading it. And I know that, like, at, like, around 50 pages in, I'll probably become more invested in it. But I have to, you know, put in the labor to reap the yeah. fruits of my labor. Yeah. But this one, from the very beginning, like, it was just so good. Like, she just comes in to the apartment and immediately, like you see this tense relationship between the mother and Erica. Like, by page two, you're like, something is weird is going on here. And then there's so much just happens in the first ten pages. Like, she gets into this fight with her mom. You figure out she's a piano teacher who's, like, 30-ish, living with her mother as an adult who's controlling her, gets into a physical altercation with her. She's, like, slamming cases into people's legs in the subway or the tram or wherever she is. Yeah. And, yeah, I mean, just from the very, very beginning, it just grabs grabs you. So I like it even on the prose level. So, yeah, I do think it would be an interesting thesis project. <laughs> I just, yeah, I think the criticisms are so fascinating because I know that there are people that just think that she's too vulgar. And I think we've talked about, like, what does it mean is to recommend... Oh, of course. I, that's what I was about to say. Like, obviously, we've talked about before, like, what is it to recommend a book to someone, like, individually? And, like, this is just a book that is 100% just, like, not something you'd give most people. <laughs> and it's not because, oh, we're, like, better than most people, we can handle more, but it's... I just think that this is just so... It's so graphic, and obviously, as we've talked about before, a lot of people don't have an interest in reading an unlikable protagonist, let alone an unlikable entire ensemble. And I also think the second part is so brutal and, like, graphic... Because I, and that's what I really like about this book. Like, Yelenek does not hold back. Like, it's, like, relentlessly intense and, like, bodily. And I also think one of my favorite things, which um, was, I'm assuming, one of the big things that I'm got one of the Swedish Academy members to, to leave after she yeah, won a prize. <laughs> so controversial. Because, because they, cause they thought that she was writing, like, bad public pornography. And I was like, I don't know if that's true. Sad for you to think of it as such. It's definitely, like, graphic. But I don't think any of this is, like, gratifying sexually to anybody. Maybe. <laughs> Maybe. But I think that I find that hard to believe for most readers. It's, like, a little... It's a little intense. Also, like, just when he is, like, forcing his, like, flaccid penis down her throat and she vomits in the closet. I think nothing will be as graphic or gratuitous to me as the, sa the Savage Detectives. Well, that's a different discussion yeah. of gratuitousness. That was, like, every other page. It was not every other page. Sex there was a lot of sex. I, yeah, I mean, obviously, 
it's a it's a messy thing because I'm not sure if I think it's gratuitous, even though I do think it's a lot. Because I think it's like purposely oversexed, but I guess that's the debate. It's like if you're even if you're trying to like write a cast of characters that are oversexed, then when does it move into the gratuitousness? But you also like literally support a little life, so who are you to talk about gratuity? <laughs> that's gratuity of a different kind. <laughs> that's like self harm gratuity. Well, how do you feel about it here when she like is constantly self harming or harming others? Like oh my gosh, when, when she... you told me in advance that there's gonna be self harm in here. And you're like, that's no. like a little life. This is like nothing compared to a little well, life. I think it's different for me just because I do not like a little life as much as you. And I also, I seem to be one of the few people that did not cry at a little life, <laughs> even though I did like it. And I was just like, this is, it's bleak. And like, I understand, and I, like, obviously I'm like feeling some sort of emotion. And the... I also just didn't cry at a part that most people cry at. Yes. <laughs> I remember you telling me that. But the self-harm, I think when Jude, like, um like burns himself, I think oh, that yeah. was just, like, a lot to take in. But for this, it was, like, I think more affecting for me, not because I was like, oh, I'm weeping at this book. Like, I don't... I can't imagine someone weeping as they're reading this book. <laughs> because I was just, like, really taken aback by how she's so in tune to seeming, like, the three main characters, like, heads. Mm-hmm. And she moves between them at will. And you just kind of have to keep up with it. But it's so cold. Like, her handling of it is, like, she has no emotional interest in, like, the well-being of a single person as, like, a narrator. True, but even Erica herself, like, when she's, like, self-harming. She doesn't feel it. She doesn't even feel it, Which yeah. I thought that was, I mean, that, to me, is just, like, crazy. Because you start off with when the cousin's over and she slashes her, the back of her hand, five times. And she just, like, watches it bleed. And then when she she cuts her vagina because she wants to have a bigger hole, like a bigger vulva, which is just like, whoa. Like, I think that to me was just like crazier than like someone burning themselves. And she doesn't, how do she you doesn't not feel, feel it. that? Yeah, that's a little bit questionable. I mean, I wouldn't, again, wouldn't call this hard realism, absolute <laughs> realism of any kind. But I was just like, I think that affected me not because it was like, I'm like emotionally like devastated like this. I'm, I'm like not shaking in. My boots. And I think it's so interesting too is that this whole time she's self-harming and doesn't feel it or doesn't react emotionally to it. But except for at the very end when Clemmer comes in and rapes her, beats her and then rapes her. And then she (sighs) like feels it and then she's emotional and she's crying. I think that's also purposefully set up as a contrast. That was so intense because I've seen the movie based off of this. So like that was I think two years ago. So it was murky. But just the idea of him, since we get to follow his mind more in the second half, and him, like, barging in, throwing her mom into their bedroom, like, locking her in, and I'm like, Ugh. so, first of all, he do- he has more power than the mom. Supposed, like, arbiter of her life mm-hmm. has now been removed in this, like, random man, which also is, like, somewhat funny to me, not in what happens, but just because the mom this whole time has been, like, don't be invested in a man because they will, like, ruin you for your art. But it's, like, well, it's a little bit more than the art in this instance. (laughs) And then that whole sequence of him just, like, beating her and then raping her. And, yes, like, she also seems to be just, like, there's a section I didn't highlight and I wish I did where it talks about pain as pleasure. And I think it's interesting that she specifies that. It seems like Erica's interested in, like, she hates her body. And she wants to, like, cut herself in this way. Like, it says it kind of when she's an adolescent. I don't know if we can extrapolate that to the contemporary or, like, the present 38-year-old Erica. But, like, this kind of... There's a certain amount of self-loathing that she's experiencing. And it is... I don't know. 
Also, like, the pain that is inflicted by others physically versus the pain that's inflicted on the self. I mean, especially with the ending of the novel, where you go from her having the emotional breakdown, which is probably the most human moment that she has. And then she stabs herself and she, when she sees when she, when she takes the knife, yes, uh-huh. she takes the knife and she's like, I'm going to go to the engineering school where he is yeah. after all this. Cause he's she, like, and she's like, I might stab him. I, might, I literally heard the way that... Because, like, she thinks that she might murder him. Yes, and then he's with the other girls. Yeah, and he's laughing. And then he doesn't pay attention to her at all. And then she, the whole time, has her hand in her pocketbook. Mm -hmm. And the idea of her just stabbing herself in the shoulder Mm -hmm. and just putting it back in the bag and just walking away. Mm -hmm. I mean, obviously crazy. Like, crazy ideas for Yelenek to have. I'm obsessed with it, though. Like, there's just something about that. Like, we've talked about this also where, like, in creative writing classes, people love an image. It's a great image. Oh it's, like, God. an insane image. Like, there's something so brutal. Because I also, I have Isabel Huppert on my mind from the movie when it happens. And, first of all, you have to watch the movie with me. Because it's great. But On finals week? Oh, my gosh. You're crazy. It's short. We'll see. We'll see. We'll see. <laughs> Maybe we finish our essay sometime. Doubt it. I think, I think... I think, oh, no. oh, but no. like Isabel Huppert just has this moment because this is post breakdown. Like she's still highly human and emotional and she's, I hate the word, but she's feeling raw. She's feeling tender. And in the movie, she pulls it out and she just stabs herself like in like this part of her chest and you just watch it happen. And she just pulls it out immediately and just puts her it back chest, in the back. Not her it's like here. So it's like kind of the in between, mm-hmm. but she's like there and you just see like her bleed a little bit and she just has no f- she stabs herself has no emotional response cold she just like starts like crying like but even before she's doing like she's like having the breakdown and then you just see her like bleeding and just staying there for a second and she like puts it away and she's like having like this insanely like complex psychological moment and you just see her leave and that's obviously going to be the end of the movie it's the end of the book and Isabel Huppert, one of the best living actresses. And it's, like, one of the best performances literally ever. It's, like, crazy. Because this, to me, is, like, an unfilmable book when you read it. Like, how do you make this, first of all, a coherent movie? Mm, I do think, in terms of... It's not cinematic. I do think, I was going to say, uh, plot-wise, it may not be super filmable. But in terms of Im- image-wise... I do think it's very cinematic. There's Is it? Yes, it's rife with imagery. It's rife with imagery, but is it filmable imagery? I think so. You just I just think like the amount of like sex and like like I don't know, penises, vaginas, self harm, rape, I don't know, even just like when she's in the park and she's a voyeur and she gets so excited by watching the Turkish man and the other seeming foreigner yeah, these are all of sex. images like, that you named and they're all filmable images. No, I know. They're all like literally filmable. But I'm talking about the idea of like, that is something that makes so much sense to me. as like a, a product of the written word because I think you can literally do anything on the page and you have no bodies that are being exploited in any way or exploited, I'm saying loosely here. And the sense of, like, you are not, I don't know, you could literally, like, in a book, just, like, have a line where you just, like, shoot a child. Or you have, like, a Lolita moment, which obviously there's a movie. Yeah, I was going to say, no, but listen, if you can film Lolita, you can kind of film I know, but the, the thing is that he's not doing all the stuff that happens in the book all the time, I'm pretty sure. He? Nabokov? Kubrick. Oh. <laughs> for the movie. Uh, <laughs> um, I mean, this is just... It's this is not pornographic by any means, but I mean this would one hundred percent be like new Lolita movie coming out on Netflix. No, there isn't. You're yeah, lying. It is. You're literally lying. Starring Dakota Johnson. No, 
why are you doing this this scheme? What was this little prank? There is a new Persuasion movie coming out now. Oh, I did know that. Dakota Johnson. <laughs> I just think it's. Sorry, Millie Bobby Brown. This would be a hard. Stop! Don't do that. She's too old now, though. How old is she? She's like sixteen. Um, upper teen. She could still she could still play. Lily is twelve. Dolores. She would not be a, what were they called? Oh my god, not a cherub. Nymph. A nymph. A cherub. Are you kidding me? They have like 30-year-olds play high schoolers all the time. I don't, I mean, they would 100% have to use a teen. I yeah. think they would use someone 18 yeah. that looks young. Imagine making an 11-year-old play Dolores. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so again, Millie Bobby I Brown. mean, but just think about it. If you were an actor slash actress and someone... I mean, it's Michael Haneke, so he's like a really famous, big Austrian director, so that's kind of fun, has prestige. He says, I'm going to, I wrote, I adapted this into a screenplay, and you read this book, and you're like, oh, do I want to be Erica Kohut in this movie? First of all, I think very few people could be, play that role. Because I think it's so bleak, and she's like almost, she's so human and yet not human. She's like such a literary construct of a person. Um, but like you have to be able to, without having a lot of lines, seemingly, I don't, does she talk constantly? Like, no. You have to be able to have like this presence, right? Like, have that all, all that complexity in your kind of mannerisms and face. I just, I just think this would be so hard to be in. Also, emotionally taxing. You know, prestige comes from the, the etymology. <laughs> it comes from the French word meaning, like, prestige. false. <laughs> no, false illusion. Like, deceptively false. I didn't know that. And I didn't know that either. <laughs> but then I watched oh. a wonderful documentary called Operation Varsity oh my gosh. <laughs> on Netflix. And this admissions counselor from Harvard said that. And I was like, whoa. It was kind of a mind-blowing moment. I mean, it's especially... not what the word means, but I do love the etymology. Yeah, especially in the context of, obviously, prestigious universities. And Ooh. just the idea of prestige being, like, this false front that they put up in order to perpetuate this academic, monetary scheme and game. And I was like, whoa, whoa. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. I think the only other thing that I was thinking about is I love the fact that she's a piano teacher and that the kind of obsession that the mom has is with this kind of like higher art form because I think Jelinek is so playful in how that's her big dichotomy for the whole book. You have like the kind of like quote unquote like base needs like sex drives, going to peep shows, like walking through like these streets alone as a woman, like these like kind of grimier kind of physical human experiences in contrast and in conversation, even sometimes within the same sentence as something like Brahms or like the kind of height of being in the Vienna Conservatory and kind of the negotiation between those two things, which is supposed to be have this like spiritual well, aspect to it. there's this line it. that says specifically, I can't remember what the relationship was between sex and art or maybe equating sex and art. I can't remember what it was, but... I think it was equating. Yeah. Which is interesting too. But I was just like... Go off, gal. It's just all so much. Oh, one question I did have that I forgot to ask was when I was like flipping through this in the first half, or just part one actually, so not even the first half. There's a lot of capital she and capital her, like yeah. 
the entirety of it is of the pronoun is capitalized yeah. whereas later on it's not at all why yeah i felt like that was really helpful to place it reminded me actually of um very different book but of wolf hall by hillary mantel because hillary mantel is really notable for using he the third person pronoun consistently even though that you'll be in a group of men like all capitalized no 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 oh. it's just he but in this way it got people to be really confused because it's most it's a large male cast and you'll be like in a room full of men talking and he'll just she'll say like he thought or he said and it's always going back to Cromwell like Thomas Cromwell who's the protagonist and you kind of have to get into the mode of like that being the reality and here I mean she's doing kind of the same thing where I think it's just a a kind of notion of Erica being in kind of groups of people or being around other women and were in her head and so she wouldn't see herself as Erica. Yes, but the capital like H, capital E, capital R or capital S, capital H, capital E that like I mean I kind of a lot. I kind of loved it though. Not gonna, I'm usually anti typographic changes. I, I know I was just something about it was like Every time I saw it, I was just so annoyed. I was like, this is really disturbing to my reading experience. Oh, I see. I didn't have the issue. It was pretty fluid. I was, I think I was confused for like the first couple. And then I realized that in those same paragraphs, she would sometimes literally use other she's. And that's it was why, just happy Erica. That's why AP style and Chicago style no longer capitalizes I'm... internet. Why? Did you do that? No, I did not. They changed it a few years back. When you write internet. I don't think I've ever capitalized internet in my life. Well, because the internet... People used to do the capital internet. I know, even then. Well, then you had some issues did. going I on. I never did. I don't think I did. <laughs> well, then you were just wrong. I was ahead of the curve, actually, uh-huh. if we're going to go with sure. history now. But they don't capitalize it because they say that every time there is a capitalization of some sort, it trips up the reader. And it did in this book for me. It tripped me up. I was like, mm-mm. It's a lot. Okay. Individual experience. I guess for the last time. The question is, would no. you recommend The Piano Teacher? No. <laughs> Did you like it? We just talked about it. Why we I know, because you're just saying that most people wouldn't like it. Yeah. Um, yeah, I definitely think if I if I think that someone is like would be even vaguely interested in kind of the grotesqueries of this, I would say hard yes. But for like 90% of people, like, no. Or I guess if you're interested in like Austrian literature, because she's a big character, especially with plays... Um, or if you just want to be like a Nobel Prize completionist, or literally even just read all the women that win the Nobel Prize in literature because there's only like 11 or 12. I think a really, a question that we should have asked ourselves early on <laughs> that might have been a better barometer would have been, would you read another book by this author? Well, would you? I say yes. I don't think so. Oop! I liked it. I had a middling, enjoyable experience with it. I No, according to what I read from um, like German readers, like her plays are... Like, people frequently think this is good, and they'll read this, but her plays are, like... I know you don't like plays, but her plays are supposed to be, like, astounding. Just to clarify, I don't... I'm not against plays. I just think that most of them should be seen. Yeah, sure. As they were. Well, you also... I mean, clarifying, you also just don't like reading plays, as in, like, you don't like the form of reading plays, not the plays themselves. I don't like the form of reading at all. (laughs) Yeah, this is a little counterintuitive. (laughs) I would definitely. I'm that actually would votes be... really well for us for our Shakespeare class next Ooh. semester. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm. I do want to read more from her, just because I love when people are like brave in what they choose to write. Like, I just don't understand. I guess she had credibility from 
prior writing, but like how this getting this is getting published. Mm-hmm. I just like this would not flow in a work in a creative writing workshop. Yeah, I don't think a lot of these things would flow. These things, as in books that we've read this <laughs> this past few these past few weeks. Yeah, I mean, I just think she. They'd be like, this is confusing. You have to develop this more. Also, this is just not it, etc. Sorry, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I definitely would like to read more. I think that's definitely my takeaway. I was reading some of it periodically in, like, German just to see how the translation was, and it was always really interesting. Can you read in German? Can I read in German? Like, were you able to read it smoothly? I don't know if I would say smoothly. Like, I'd look things up periodically, but... Oh, I would not be able to. Not in German, but in <laughs> Chinese. I'd be like, what is going on? I yeah. think confuse my experience more. I mean, there were some kind of sentence structure things, and I was like, I just don't know what's going on here, but... Um, Me. Oh, I love that I looked it up just randomly. It says, his penis twitches in bluish bloating. It bangs around in the air. Like, lines oh, like that are everything. Oh, I thought it was so funny when they translated Unshanandi Lu into the Andalusian dog instead of keeping the French title. That was interesting. It was a fun reference as well. Well... I guess this is it. We're never going to see each other ever again. True. <laughs> oh. <laughs> you said it first. Wow. I'm making it a reality. I mean, this has been very fun. We'll see if we continue it. Poor Eileen. Eileen Warnos? Eileen Chang. <laughs> oh, yes. Sorry to the Eileen Chang wow. stands out is there. This anti-Chinese sentiment? <gasps> oh, my God. API month. Oh, true. Wow. Ooh. Wow. Wow. Pick the white woman. Pick the white woman. Wow. This truly is just cementing further anti-Chinese sentiment into America. (laughs) (laughs) You said that. (laughs) Yeah, sorry to Eileen Chang and her novella and short stories. True. We'll read them another day. Maybe. (laughs) Who knows? I do. I probably will want to. But otherwise, thank you. I will one day before I, I pass away. Before you die? Well, we don't know when I'll pass away. Good vibes but, to end this on. <laughs> but if it's before 100, then I will read it. You have to be 99. <laughs> read Eileen Chang. I agree. On my deathbed, just like quickly reading through Eileen Chang. Just rushing. I love that. But yeah, I guess to close, thank you so much for listening, whoever is listening. <laughs> and I hope you have a wonderful, I guess if you're a student, have a wonderful break. If you're not a student, have a wonderful summer catch you on the flip side oh and for the politics of all please get vaccinated please get vaccinated we're apolitical we're neutral we clearly don't have a political party or side that we're on oh <laughs> i'm just kidding true and with that adieu hags <laughs>